AMU. American Military University is proud to present the following podcast on behalf of In Homeland Security. Hi, and welcome to American Military University's podcast series on preventing human trafficking. I'm Leishan Kranick, your host and the managing editor of In Public Safety. Today, I'm joined by two subject matter experts with experience researching, studying, and actively working to combat human trafficking around the world. First, I'd like to welcome Rebecca Journey. Rebecca is an alumna of American Public University. In 2017, she completed her master's degree in public health with a focus on human trafficking. Rebecca has been visiting Cambodia since 2006, working with humanitarian groups to stem the rampant sex trafficking and human slavery trade. After learning of genocide in that Southeast Asian nation, she joined Legacy of Hope International, which assists with community-based development and human trafficking prevention. Good afternoon, Rebecca, and thanks for joining us. Wonderful to be here. Next, I'd like to welcome Dr. Michael Pataro, who is an assistant professor of criminal justice with American Military University. Dr. Pataro is a criminal justice veteran with an extensive background in working with criminal offenders in a variety of institutional and non-institutional settings. He's written several publications, including one titled International Efforts by Police Leadership to Combat Human Trafficking. He has also been involved in a project on pornography and its link to the international sex trafficking in children. Thanks for joining us again, Dr. Pataro. Thank you. For those who haven't heard our first podcast on human trafficking prevention with Dr. Pataro, please check out the link found in the description of this podcast. So for today's conversation, I wanted to start off by talking about some of the international elements of human trafficking and prevention strategies. As I mentioned earlier, Rebecca does a lot of boots on the ground work combating human trafficking internationally. So I wanted to get started by getting some perspective from you, Rebecca. Could you give our listeners some idea about what human trafficking really looks like from an international front and a little bit about what your work has been in Cambodia and internationally? Of course, I'll be happy to do that. The United Nations, I think we all know, defines human trafficking as recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, and receipt of persons with improper means, such as force, fraud, bribing, coercion, abduction. And I think that's what most people think of when they think on an international level. And that is true. But across the globe, whether it's in the United States or whether it's in Cambodia, where Legacy of Hope International works, it's not always this huge abduction. It's usually someone who's taken the time to have a relationship with a minor or an adult, someone they know has a great need, whether it's financially, which usually it is, or a lack of someone to take care of the family. And they use that to their advantage to coerce. There's more coercion than I think a lot of people realize um, internationally and on the home front. And I think that sometimes that's the hardest part about understanding human trafficking, to not live in fear, but yet educate each other on what that looks like and who to trust and who not to trust. And it comes down to a basic understanding of what relationships are. And when someone is truly there to help one another, and whether it's a family member, which makes it very hard, or whether it's someone from the outside from another organization. So I'm not sure if I answered all of that question, but that's kind of a basic overview. 
Yeah, I think that gives our listeners kind of an idea of the reality of what trafficking looks like. And can you elaborate a little bit? Do you focus largely on sex trafficking or is it also labor trafficking as well? It's any type of trafficking. It's labor trafficking as well. And thank you for asking that and clarifying that. It's anyone that we come across, usually in our case, it's going to be a minor, someone that we've built relationships and working in a village, having a school that we realized that for whatever reason, the family is either potentially being trafficked because they're going back and forth over the Thai border, working with someone, or it is someone that has come to us and said, you know, I'm worried about my child. It's the old, she's, he or she is the oldest usually in Cambodia. It's the female child that's the oldest that takes care of the family. And I don't want her to have to do the work that I'm doing. or I'm concerned that this person may be someone that is going to take advantage of her. Can she come and take school, take classes at your school, your main campus where we have a dorm and things like that, that a lot of it. So it's labor or sex. Mm -hmm. And I know you do focus largely working in those countries. Does your work also directly tie to what's happening on the domestic front in the U.S. in this case? Absolutely. But honestly, Legacy of Hope International is actually based on providing better education to students, to children, to adults to learn English so they can have hope for a better future. I volunteer with other organizations because of the work that's going on in Cambodia that we realized how trafficking is everywhere and how globally it is all connected. We work with other organizations here in the U.S. through my volunteer work, through the other volunteer staff's work, other task force to make sure that we are educating each other, that we're learning the best policies and doing the best practices to make sure that families are safer. And of course, that's an important component of preventing human trafficking, like you mentioned, is really the educational component of it. Dr. Pataro, I wanted to turn it to you and talk a little bit about that domestic element. I know that you've done quite a bit of work here in the United States and specifically in your state of Pennsylvania to address some of the issues of human trafficking that are happening locally. And I just want our readers and our listeners to really understand that while there is a lot of human trafficking that originates internationally in some third world countries, that in reality, human trafficking is happening here in our cities and our towns in the United States. Can you just talk about what it looks like on the domestic front? Absolutely. Human trafficking, just like Rebecca mentioned, can occur anywhere and at any time. I know we tend to differentiate between domestic and international, but really this is a global problem. So I think we're at that place now where we finally realize that in order to fight a global problem, we need a global effort to do so. And I think we've come a long way, especially on the domestic front, since 2014, when I really started to delve into this topic. Back then, and that's only a couple of years ago, it was pretty clear that most of us in criminal justice, specifically law enforcement, assumed that most of the trafficking was occurring within the United States in the inner cities, the major inner cities. And we learned very quickly that that's not true. It's everywhere. You know, and one of the things I've learned over the years is that criminals really tend to adapt and evolve to situations. So realizing that law enforcement and other criminal justice professionals were 
starting to figure out human trafficking operations, the traffickers started to move more towards the suburban areas, the rural areas, and so forth. So it is occurring everywhere. It's not just in our major U.S. cities. And really, potentially anyone could be a victim and anyone could be a perpetrator. So this is a, a new area that we're delving into. But, you know, like drug trafficking, it's, it's global in nature. So it's definitely in all parts of the United States. It's in my home state of Pennsylvania. And even in some of the country areas, the most remote country areas, we're having human trafficking operations that have been dismantled. So this is something that I think we're finally realizing that this can be anywhere and occur anywhere. And we really need to combine our efforts and fight this globally. So, Rebecca, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the role technology plays in combating human trafficking. Can you just talk about how that's changed over the years and how technology is being used to recruit or sell others? It has been used through what most people know as the dark net. That's one. The second way, as far as recruiting and for those that are looking for a certain type of pornography of abuse of children. As far as recruiting of children or adults, whether it's labor or sex, it's Facebook. Many people are very aware of Backpage now, which has been closed. The government took care of that not too long ago. Uh, But the problem is, is you still have those that are going to find other ways to reach out. We are connected easier. It's in our hands. It's on our wrist. It's on our eyes, you know, technology is a wonderful thing and can help us do so many things. But at the same time, when people are focused on the money and not humanity, it's a huge public health issue. Earlier, you talked a little bit about how important relationship building is when you're working with some people in, whether it's Cambodia or other impoverished or third world countries. Could you talk about how While that's still a very important component, have you seen the influence of whether it's the Internet or other forms of technology entering that space as well? As far as the Internet taking away from the ability to build relationships or helping to build relationships? Well, it could be either. So are you seeing how um, the Internet is helping to reach more people and educate more people when it comes to giving them information about what trafficking looks like. And then I'm also interested in hearing about from a preventative perspective, how law enforcement or whomever is using technology. Yeah, absolutely. The first two things that come to mind is, you know, YouTube. We've got some amazing nonprofits, Polaris Project and other organizations, Shared Hope International, that use platforms like YouTube and others out there that are available to have videos high quality that are able to get people's attention. Instagram, if it's, you know, all of those and Facebook, if it's used correctly to educate people, it's a beautiful thing. And we've got talented people in the world that definitely are using filmmaking skills, storytelling skills to bring to life people's real life stories of how they were abused, how they were coerced, how they were forced into a certain situation. And I've seen the internet probably over the last five to six years really explode with that, where people are aware of even the term human trafficking 
Whereas even five or six years ago, they would look at you like you were talking another language. So definitely technology has helped. There's even games being made. I've heard about, I have not seen them to tell you the truth, but I have heard that there are games that are interactive to help with public health education to prevent human trafficking. So there's definitely some great things going on in the technology world to make a difference. So Dr. Pitaro, I was hoping you could weigh in on some of the programs or local initiatives that you know about that you think are effectively helping combat human trafficking. Oh, absolutely. One of the programs that comes to mind in Pennsylvania is the Salvation Army of the greater Philadelphia area. What I found to be interesting is I didn't realize the Salvation Army was really um, collaborating with law enforcement in the fight against human trafficking. With the Salvation Army, they've actually teamed up with the Philadelphia Police Department, the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, as well as the U.S. Attorney General's Office, the FBI, and Homeland Security. So I found that to be quite interesting. And then from a local level, I'm familiar with a program called VAST of the Lehigh Valley. With VAST, they provide advocacy work for victims, assistance, obviously, for victims, But also their main philosophy or mission is to provide education and awareness. And they've provided a PDF on best practices, which I found to be very interesting about trying to create initiatives, working with law enforcement, as well as private businesses and other community-based organizations. So we've come a long way. And I, I think we're making some great strides in trying to combat human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking, which seems to be kind of the bulk of most of the human trafficking operations. So I think we've come a long way and I think we're going to continue to do so. Well, it's great to hear that there's so many initiatives happening at the local level and then all the way up to the global arena in trying to address issues of human trafficking and finding new ways to really prevent it. Because like we talked about, it's something that happens in our small rural towns and it's something that happens all across the country and the globe And we really just have to band together, both as citizens, private and public organizations and law enforcement to make sure that the people who are committing these crimes are held accountable. So I want to thank both of you for your work to combat human trafficking and for joining us today to talk about what we can do today and looking into the future to make sure that we protect people and identify those who are causing harm. So thank you so much to both of you for joining us today. Once again, thanks for having us. This is Leeshan Kranick signing off from American Military University's podcast on preventing human trafficking. For the latest Homeland Security news, visit inhomelandsecurity.com and sign up for our daily newsletter. Thank you for listening. AMU, American Military University.